what I was talking about earlier. It's like, if you want to make comics, just make comics. You need to find the time. Um, and you need to do that by, by sacrificing, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to work Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays at the coffee shop or something and be like, yeah, I'm going to take a huge hit money wise, but that's three days I can just plug on comics. Michelangelo here, you know, the master of the whirling pizzas. And you, my friend, are listening to Turtle Flakes, a bodacious bowl of Ninja Turtles goodness, brought to you by my radical dudes, Rob and Jock. Cowabunga! Cowabunga, dudes and dudettes, and welcome to another episode of Turtle Flakes. I am your lowly co-host, Rob, and joining me, joining with me, I should say, as always, is... Well, we don't have Josh today, but we got Mr. T. How you doing, buddy? Doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing great because we have an awesome guest today. I'm just really, really excited because I'm a big fan of his work. Mr. Ben Bishop, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Um, I think this might be my first podcast. I really? Did like a video. Yeah, I think I did a video one with some dudes on YouTube, but isn't that something else? Isn't that like a vodcast or something? Ah, probably, uh, yeah. That's too high-tech <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it took a lot more preparation for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we wing it here. Yeah, so you're, you're good. Cool. <laughs> but guys, uh, we're excited because Ben's got so much going on. First of all, he's an, uh, he's written a, or drawn a lot of um, IDW Turtles comics, really, really gorgeous artwork, and uh, he, he's involved in, I think you were over everything with the aggregate, correct? Yep, yep. The aggregate, um, which we'll talk about, is a completely creator-owned, written, illustrated by me. Um, and I made the best decision ever to hire a certain uh, woman named Brittany Peer to do the colors, and she's just phenomenal. And which leads us into drawing blood a little bit, because able to grab her for that job when Kevin gave me the call. So she's going to be doing colors with us on that too yeah so cool so cool i mean i, I saw some um, pictures of uh the aggregate it looks gorgeous and you just mentioned drawing blood i was i was uh gonna definitely mention that drawing blood at least last time i checked it's over 50 percent funded already and it's only august 5th as we're recording this yeah so i've got it right here i think it's day five officially and we're at thirty nine thousand eight sixty. 544 backers, still 26 more days to go. So yesterday we broke the 50%, which was awesome. That is awesome. Um, I mean, I had no doubt, though. I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I knew I knew it was going to start super, super strong. And then, like, every Kickstarter, things have started to slow down. But in my experience, the slowdown has been less slow than most. Um, we're still doing, like, two to 3,000 a day, I think, or something like that. Um, Oh, so we're wow. still on our way to the slowdown, but it hasn't quite halted yet, which is amazing because as soon as we hit the actual goal, that's when a lot of people jump on Kickstarter and they're like, oh, well, this book is already happening, so I might as well just grab it. You know, right. you get a lot more of the people who, who've been waiting for it to just fund. Um, 
Definitely, definitely. I mean, you guys are definitely on pace right now. So, uh, Ben, I, if you don't care, let's just take it to the very beginning. Like From the start. I, yeah. From the start, you got it. You're a young guy. If you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I think I'm 31. I always forget. So, oh, nice. 31 I'm 31. Or, or 30. Yeah, 31. <laughs> 86, awesome. is that right? Yeah. 86, yep. Yep, I'm an 86er as well. That's why we love the turtles so much. I know, I know, yeah. <laughs> it's the perfect age. Exactly. We we were right in the hype of it, man, right in the thick of it. So, I mean, you're my age, so we're we're still relatively young guys here. Uh, and Thaddeus, I think he's the baby of the bunch, but... Uh, yeah, just, uh, just 30. <laughs> nice, nice. So you just uh, turned 30. So uh, first thing I want to ask, you know, how did you get into comics in the first place? I mean, uh, it's such it seems like such yeah. a tough industry to break into. Take us from the very beginning. What inspired you? Okay. Well, if we're going very beginning, I got to go back. I was... Uh, I. I was four years old, and uh, <laughs> so I've been wow. drawing since I was like super, super young. Uh, the long, the oldest drawings I have, I think, are or memories I have as well are from when I was four. I was drawing like cowboys and knights and dragons and all this stuff. And uh, <laughs> my parents were my parents were very into it and let me do whatever. Constantly buying me art supplies. I have a picture on my fridge of like my first art easel when I was like seven or something. Oh wow. Um, and I'm like happier than a kid nowadays who gets an Xbox. Um, but <laughs> so anyway, I had always loved, I'd always loved characters and stories. Like I loved the X-Men. I loved Spider-Man. I loved all that stuff. And of course then came in love with the turtles and ghostbusters and all that stuff because I love, you know, character driven stories like that. And so I'd always wanted to make my own. And so when I was 11, I made my first comic, which was like this fantastic four ripoff called splash where you had like the stretchy guy, the big guy, the fire guy, and then the girl. And uh, I still actually have that comic over here. And then I thought I was good enough to work at Marvel. So I wrote Marvel a letter when I was 11 years old, asking for a job. And uh, they actually wrote me back and said, like, you know, yeah, it was amazing. It came in this yellow envelope with a Spider-Man like label on the front. And I was like, oh, my God, they're going to hire me. And then I I opened it. (laughs) I opened it and they and they actually were super, super nice. They could have been like what are you thinking? Like, but they were good. And they said, uh, uh, basically keep sharpening your skills and call us when you graduate high school. <laughs> and so oh, I was wow. like, all right. Yeah. It's like, all I got it. So that was a real drive. I was like, okay, all I got to do is graduate high school. And then I can call up Marvel and be like, Hey, I'm that 11 year old kid. Remember me? And, um, <laughs> of course it wasn't that black and white. And by the time I was graduating high school, even if they were being very literal, uh, you couldn't do that. Uh, the movies were getting huge. Every everyone wanted to work in comics. It was a very different, like switch. Like as soon as Spider Man and the X Men started coming out, uh, everyone was like, "Whoa, this is a job. I can do this!" Like, <laughs> and so it, it was much more competitive. I'm going way back here. Sorry, but uh, but I ended up trying to go to art school to do it the right way. And then after one year here in Maine at Maine College of Art, um, I couldn't afford it, and so I had to leave. And then. Uh, instead of getting all discouraged and, you know, telling my four-year-old and 11-year-old self, well, we're going to become scientists or astronauts now, we're going to pick a new career, uh, I just said, okay, well, if I want to make comics, maybe I should just make comics. And so Hmm. I spent the next four years that I would have been in school creating my very first book, Nathan the Caveman, which was a 300-page graphic novel that I self-published and illustrated and wrote all myself, which led to another thing and another thing and another thing. And then you know, uh, to get up to speed with your actual question, sorry, which was how no, I broke no, it. No, no, that's good. I, 
yeah, it, it all just like everything snowballed and it really comes down to doing it yourself, um, which I mentioned on at San Diego, I did a panel with Kevin and people had asked me there like, you know, what's it like? We're jumping ahead a little bit, but what's it like working with Kevin Eastman? I said, it's kind of amazing because that's what he did. He said, you know, I'm just going to make my own stuff and then hopefully people see it and they like it. And so after that, I started making um, all these fake turtle covers. I was doing conventions, selling my books and stuff. And so I just started making prints that looked like Ninja Turtle covers. And uh, and I, I don't actually tell this story that much, but I'll give you the exclusive. But Ben Templesmith was a friend of mine. He did 30 Days a Night. Um, is a friend of mine. He came over to my table. And he goes, oh, sweet. You're doing turtle covers now, right? And I said, no, no, these are all just fake, man. And he was like, what? He's like, screw that. <laughs> and then two hours later, I had an email from Chris Ryle and Bobby Kerr now, the editor. Wow. IDW, and they CC'd Ben, and, they, and Chris was just like, hey, Ben, Templesmith told me you want to do turtle covers. Bobby, let's make that happen. And so then I got my first one, which was issue 55, retailer. I think it was the one in 10, so RI cover. And then from there, some shops gave me store exclusives. And then every now and then, Bobby emails me back to do another one in 10 variant. And so it's really just been covers recently. But that, I think that kind of got me on Kevin's radar. And then Kevin, as in Kevin Eastman, uh, found out that I live in Maine. And that's where he's from. And he went to one of college at the same exact school that I went to. Oh, and wow. Then, he didn't go and then his very last real job same as mine was at a lobster shack and so it was just like this is too <laughs> <laughs> yeah what what an amazing parallel there that's incredible yeah i'm like the new no i'm not the new but he's <laughs> <his> protege <laughs> ah, absolutely absolutely man well yeah. yeah i mean since we're on the turtles um Actually, let, let me shut up. Uh, Thaddeus, uh, you got a question before I keep rattling on? I'm bad for this, Ben. I, uh, sometimes I just keep going. Uh, so uh, w- one quick thing before I get into my question is that not not just Turtles, but IDW in general, you know, everybody that works together, whether it's an artist or a writer, and especially, you know, the, the Turtle team behind IDW, um, you know, it seems that everybody always gives 110% of what they do. And that's actually one of the things that I like so much about the Turtle comics is that, especially with the, uh, the trade paperbacks, is that they they give so much credit and respect to a lot of the artists. And that's one of the things that I really enjoy is kind of, once I get done reading an issue, is flipping to the back and looking at, you know, the artwork and all these amazing people. And... Uh, but my, my question for you is, uh, I know that ID, uh, IDW in general is really big on crossovers. You know, we've had the, uh, the Ghostbusters TMNT, the Batman TMNT. Uh, my question for you is, if, if you could cross over the turtles with pretty much anything and write and draw it, uh, what, what kind of crossover would it be? Did you do research for this question already? Off the cuff. That's crazy that you mentioned that because actually what got me into doing those fake covers was that I was designing my own kind of versions of the Turtles because I was making and have written six issues. Uh, mm. you, you guys are getting the scoop today, but uh, I, I have <laughs> six issues of a crossover that I think is the best crossover. And at the time, it was the only way it could happen in comics. I mean, the only way it could happen would be in comics because of separate rights and whatnot. But it was... Um, Ninja Turtles meets Ben 10. So it was called TMN 10. <laughs> uh, 
and I don't know how much you know about Ben 10, but the parallels are insane. You've got yep. the rust bucket and you've got the turtle van. You've got Grandpa Max, you've got Splinter, you've got Kevin and Gwen, you've got Casey and April. And then with the turtles themselves, like Ben really is like all four of their personalities in one. And so my story was really, really cool. Um, and hopefully one day, if I ever, ever, ever have time, I'll just do it for fun. But um, basically, like every good hero story, Ben gets depowered and then gets trained by Splinter to, you know, be a hero without the Omnitrix watch. And so he's like the fifth turtle. He wears a black bandana. It's amazing. I, I haven't finished Ben 10, but I was a big fan of the uh, the original series when it came on Cartoon Network, and I used to watch that like religiously. Yeah, that would that would be an awesome idea. So much cool stuff. Yeah, I really loved the first Ben 10 show, and then it went into, um, I believe it was Alien Force, and then uh, Ultimate Alien. And so those three shows, and it was really cool too because you know, the fans were growing up with the show, and so they made Ben grow up, like, almost at the same pace. In the first show, he's 10, and then he's 15, and then he's 16. That's um, awesome. And they've kind of rebooted it now, um, and I'm not as much of a fan, particularly for a few reasons, but I thought that was so cool, man. And uh, there's so many other parallels. I didn't even mention there's, like, the DN aliens, which are literally, like, these aliens with brains for their heads, and I was like, how is that not right? <laughs> and instead of Dimension X, they have the null void, and so my villain who i won't get into because i don't want to spoil everything but he has been trapped in the null void but the turtles had called it dimension x and so then there's this you know escape and it's amazing <laughs> so is this something that might officially come out oh, soon or so that that's the thing is i had uh i pitched it a little bit to tom waltz and bobby and I, even a, a little bit to chris ryle i think but and that was when they did have the ben 10 comic rights i don't believe they do anymore um, but it was also at the time when, you know, I didn't, I wasn't doing any work for them. I hadn't even had a single cover. And so they were mm -hmm. like, yeah, whatever. But I think, I think for a lot of reasons, they couldn't do it. A lot of reasons I didn't know about, you know, but it just, it, it, it didn't seem like it was ever going to happen. And I remember when I did get my first cover, uh, Bobby told me that Nickelodeon went to my site and they were like, they're not too happy about your TMN 10. And I had to assure them. I was like, no, I'm first of all, I'm not even doing it. It's just like design. <laughs> Second of all, I'm not making money off it, and I never will, because <laughs> I know it's not. It's all fan art. But yeah, one day, if it is going to happen, it's going to be one of those things that I just do for free somehow, and then give out for free, and uh, maybe like a webcomic or something, slowly pick at it. Well, um, you know, kind of steering back to the Turtles real quick, one thing, you mentioned Kevin Eastman and meeting him and everything. How does it feel now, since you, you've been on board since, you said, issue 55, drawing the covers? Yeah. Well, how does it feel to be part of such a huge franchise, you know, as as uh, as well known as the Kevin Eastman and Pierre Laird's Ninja Turtles? I mean, it was is this a dream come true? Is this something you always had your sights on or did you want to go to a different company or I guess I guess in essence you wanted to create your own first. So I guess that's part of the answer. But what is it like just working with with guys like him? It's insane. I mean, I had like kind of a, a trickle into this whole turtle world. Like I got the I got the covers and then immediately anyone who worked on the comics like Michael DeLanalis, Mateus Santaluco, uh, Chris Johnson, um, Corey Smith, like they all just suddenly embrace you. Like even if you've only done one or two covers, they're just like, oh, you're part of the fam now. It was it <laughs> so weird. And I don't think like I mean, I don't know, I guess, but I don't think that happens with, like, Spider-Man or Superman. I think, like, you're just, like, a hired 
a hired gun on those comics. But these ones, they're like, yeah, welcome to the fold kind of thing. Like, I met San Luco last year at San Diego, and we became best friends and went to the zoo together with our wives and hung out the entire time. And, <laughs> and like, and then he snuck some aggregate Easter eggs in the Turtle Christmas issue. You'll have to look for. Um, but like, it was just amazing. And so that, that happened with all those guys. And then it happened on the next level because uh, Steve Levine is here in in Maine. He's in Wells, Maine. Um, and he's one of the original guys, the original turtle artist. And he invited mm-hmm. me down uh, to his shop at the time, Shellback Artworks, to do a signing for like an event that they wanted to have. And it was me, Steve Levine, Peter Laird, and Eric Talbot. And I was like, is this this is insane. Wow. This is Eric Talbot and I are like making fun of the way each other draw, like right off the bat. And Peter <laughs> Laird's Peter Laird's cracking jokes and stuff. And I was just like, this is insane. And so we did that a couple times. And then um, obviously Kevin got in touch with me. Um, I was at Heroes Con and I think I was complaining to someone about how I haven't got on the inside of the turtles yet. And I was still hopeful and I'm doing covers and all this. And then that night at the hotel bar, I get a call from Kevin Eastman that's like hey what are you doing for the next year I got this cool project called Drawing Blood I want you to be the artist on I got the aggregate I think it's amazing and I was like are you kidding and so uh, yeah that's exactly how it happened and so then after that we've been talking on the phone like every day about the project with David Avaloni and all and sometimes everyone on the team Eastman like you know plan this whole thing and brainstorm ideas and it's just been nuts. The last night of San Diego, I slept over his house. We were looking at all the original turtle pages. It was amazing. Great, great, great guy. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, but before we get into the aggregate, uh, last uh, turtle question for you, man. You, you grew up as a fan, uh, obviously. So, one, who's your favorite turtle? And, you know, two, are, do you have any special turtle memories that uh, you'd like to share? Yeah, I. Uh, so I, I grew up loving Mikey, as a lot of kids do. And then I grew into liking Leo best, which I think makes sense. Like going into that, you know, older, more mature role. But so now they're they're both kind of my favorites. As far as which ones I like to draw, though, I think Raph is Raph and Donnie might be more fun to draw than either of them because you can put all this high tech stuff on Donnie. I always give him like these big generator Rex type robot gloves <laughs> and stuff, and and, uh, and Raph's always you know really really mad. Uh, <laughs> then uh, the uh, turtle memories, uh, and I, I had, I want to say I had just about everything because my my mom liked to buy me toys, and um, I used to stick the the sewer tubes from the playset on my arms. I don't know if anyone else did that, and I would put the <laughs> like ninety degree or the forty five whatever angle tube, the turn. I would put that on my elbow, and it would always get stuck, and I would just always do it. And my mom was terrified that like my arm would. <laughs> broken or stuck and so i would do that and then i also remember the day that i sold everything i was like i want to buy candy let's have a yard sale and i sold everything for a dollar each and there were parents coming to my yard sale like this is only a buck and i'm like i'm like 10 years old or something and they're just like all right thank you and and i just look back on it i'm like what jerks (laughs) like they should have been like no you can't sell this oh so so why did you do it it just why yeah yeah i'm just curious because I wanted to buy candy. It was stupid. I was like, oh. oh <laughs> well, I'm glad you got it all back, man. That That's good. Le- Lisa's least a happy ending. Yeah, yeah. It's just a little bit more expensive now and a little bit more beat up. Uh, yeah, I hear that, man. Well, uh, jumping over to uh, the aggregate, 
such a cool idea. I, I hear that it's a split decision comic, and I've never even really thought about that. Can you explain a little bit more what it's about for our listeners who might not have heard of it? Yeah. So the book itself is called The Aggregate, and it's the world's first split decision comic, um, which is essentially like a choose-your-own-adventure graphic novel. To my knowledge, um, and in all my research, it had never been done quite this way in comic book form. I know DC had done like a digital Batman story with a couple couple different options where you went in different directions, um, but again, not not in on paper and not where you actually flip to turn the page to a certain page. And then there's another book um, that I was looking at called Meanwhile, um, where they do a sort of like, do you want chocolate ice cream or do you want vanilla ice cream? And then you kind of follow these little uh, like Mario tubes of different colors and, and there's tabs in the book and stuff. And so mine is like very wow. straightforward. Yeah, mine is like, okay, you get to the bottom of the page. It's like, do you want to fight or do you want to flee? Or do you want to like build a shield? Do you want to build a sword? You know, offense, defense, you know, kiss her, push her away, whatever. And then you turn to the page that you choose. So the aggregate is um, a story a post-apocalyptic story with giant robots and spider cats and and all this crazy stuff and the official log line is a genetically engineered human super weapon must decide between his burgeoning humanity and a hardwired obligation to decimate the human race dot dot oh, dot wow. and so must you so <laughs> um so you read the book there's four beginnings seven endings and 20 choices in between it's 240 pages and you can literally reread the same book many many different ways i have people come up to me and say oh i read it 17 times and i still haven't seen every page i've read it you wow. know, 15 times i haven't seen yeah so for me uh in addition to being a story that i wanted to tell one thing that had always got me about comics as a creator was that you literally like sweat and bleed you draw blood <laughs> over a page for 16 hours and then it takes somebody 30 seconds to read it and then they're done and they might pick it up a few months from then and try it again but most people just put it on the shelf and so with this it, it gets so much more use out of those pages that people can go back and read that one in a different way or lead to a different page they hadn't seen yet and so so that was really cool for me and it's been cool for the audience too i've gotten a great feedback it's been like i didn't know how it was going to go over everyone's loving it um and this is just book one too so all seven of those endings let's say to be continued are going to be seven beginnings for book two which i'm planning to kickstart in march as long as drawing blood is finished which it will be. that is so uh, cool man so i guess the first one was funded through kickstarter yes it was i uh i had a ten thousand dollar goal it was my very first kickstarter um and i met the goal on day one and wow. then then it became all about the stretch goals because with Kickstarter, as you know, if you go over, the book kind of becomes something else or you add in different things. And so it went up by the end of the 30 days all the way past 30,000. Wow. That's very incredible. <laughs> yeah, so I was psyched. And, it, and it, was really, it was really nice for me, too, because I had spent the last few years doing like tons of commissions and chasing work like the turtle stuff or doing samples for Marvel. And, and I finally like looked back and I said, man, I haven't made anything of my own since Nathan yeah. and that very first, first book I told you about that I did when I couldn't go to school. And I was, I was 18 when I started that book. And so I was like, I got to do something on my own. I'm going crazy. And so I said, I'll, I'll put this out there. And if people want it, that's what I'll do. If they don't, I'm going to have to figure out something else. Cause like, I'm just not, you know, inspired doing commissions a hundred percent of the time, you know, or chasing work and getting feedback that I don't agree with whatever it is. And so it was so touching, man. When, when it went through on day one, I was 
everyone was just basically of the attitude like yeah duh make something we want <laughs> oh, so cool that's awesome man i mean and and that's something you you wrote andrew right Yep. So my question to you is this. I mean, if you were approached to write a story arc for the Ninja Turtles and draw it, you know, all on you, whether it's a universe issue, a micro series, or the ongoing, would I think I know the answer, but would you say yes? Yeah, man, I would love to. I would love, <laughs> I would love even if I, uh, I got to work with like Eric Burnham, where he kind of, you know, assisted me on the writing, similar to uh, Secret History of the Foot or something like that. Like, cause those guys are so ingratiated in that world and know where it's been and know where it's going. And, uh, I would I would appreciate all the help I could get, but yeah, I have ideas for universe one shots that I just think are awesome, and oh, I've told Kev- Kevin some of them. Just kind of put in the put in the uh, the bug in his ear, but every time I tell him about something else I want to do, he's like, "No, you're busy with drawing bugs." I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm calling it. It'll happen one day. I'm just calling it. That's uh, Robology right there. My, my other question is. Uh... The way that I found out about the IDW comics was actually a pretty funny story. I actually, um, it was back in 2013, I, I was in Dixon Million and I came across um, Volume 1, Changes Constant, and originally when I saw Dan Duncan's artwork, I thought that it was uh, the Mirage comics, and I didn't know about like, the ongoing ser- series. So my question for you is, uh, how, how did you first discover the, uh, the IDW uh, series? How did I first discover the IDW series? Um, and I think, I honestly think it might have been not until volume six when San Luco did uh, Dark Leo um, and the City Fall Ooh, stuff. That's good stuff. Um, he's, he's top notch, man. He's my one or two favorite artists, him and Olivier Coitel. And, uh, and I just, I just love it. I think, I think that was the first thing I saw. And so I read like volume six and seven, and then I think I went back to number one with Dan Duncan, and then I read it all again straight through. And then by the time I got to the end, is like right when I got my cover, and I'm like now so behind. <laughs> I've been reading it, but I've been like you know jumping around to just like whatever issue or trade I have there. I think that's where I came in. Uh, one thing I was going to ask you, I know we're getting a little uh, low on time here, is. Well, actually, it's a two-part question. Uh, the first question is, do you have any advice for any writer or artist out there that does want to break into the the industry? And also, the second part of that question is, say with the aggregate, you know, what's the process in getting something started on Kickstarter? I mean, do you do you draw sure. the first issue first and then do the Kickstarter and then draw the rest of the issues, or draw, or is that just to print sure. the first copy out? I, I've really never done it before. Um, mm-hmm. But I am interested in the future of working on something. And I'm sure yeah. there's some listeners that might be artists or writers. They're kind of considering self-publishing. So first of yeah. all, you know, what advice do you give for writers in general? And then you know, how does the Kickstarter process work? Cool, yeah. Well, I see – I've been thinking a lot about, especially these past couple of weeks, this whole like, – like I said, Kevin called me literally like a month ago. And we've done everything you see for Drawing Blood since then. Like uh, him and David wow. have been working on – on the story for quite some time but everything else like it was just like bam 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 like and it's all happening so fast so i've been thinking a lot lately like have i broken in like because you always hear like breaking <laughs> comics how to break into comics and i'm starting to think it might just be specific to my case i don't know but i'm starting to think it's never black and white it's kind of this you know transition and not necessarily even a slow transition but it's like 
you know, yeah, I've broken in in this aspect or I've broken in in that aspect. Okay, now I got Spider-Man, now I got Turtles, whatever it is. But I, I suppose if it just means that you're doing it on your own and it's your only job, then I've, I've been broken in since I was 20, but I've also been poor. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so I don't know uh, if that's the, the line that you draw or not. But uh, yeah, my advice, honestly, is what I was talking about earlier. It's like, if you want to make comics, just make comics. You need to find the time. Um, and you need to do that by, you know, being poor, maybe by sacrificing, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to work Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays at the coffee shop or something and be like, yeah, I'm going to take a huge hit money wise, but that's three days I can just plug on comics. And you need to, you need to have it be the like very most important thing for, for a while. You got to do long, long days. I mean, up until I started, I think up until like I turned 29 or 30, I was drawing like 16 hours a day and now I'm drawing like wow. 12. I'm just like a little bit more tired nowadays. Um, and so it's as many hours as you possibly can. I know, I know artists, do they just work as long as they're up? And then, you know, when they have to, they have to do, you know, family stuff or, or, you know, make time for other people. Like it's really hard, but you, you have to do that too. And so, so you got to make sure you free up as much time as you can. Um, for both of those things but yeah it's just you need you need to want it really really bad enough that you'll just sit there and stare at a desk and not go out with friends and so it's rough but then you you see the light at the end of the tunnel and you go like oh if i do this long enough then you don't have a lot more freedom um, That's i think true. i haven't i haven't got there yet but i i assume that once i'm i'm making enough i don't have to you know to hustle as hard like i gotta keep that momentum up going right now but i'm hoping you know for for a little free time every now and then uh, I'd, I'd like more of a regular schedule where I can just say, okay, you know, Saturday and Sunday, I don't, I don't work on anything. I just hang out with the wife mm-hmm. and the dogs. And, you know, that'd be great. Um, so that's part one, just do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> part two, as far as like prepping for a Kickstarter and yeah, I'm going to make my own book. I'm just going to do it. Uh, what do I do? I think that could be a few different answers for me. I'd, I'd really, uh, very active on like Instagram and Facebook and stuff. So people know I'm always drawing, they know I'm always working on something. So I was able to kind of build up a following on Instagram and, and that sort of thing. I think I had 2000 followers when I launched my Kickstarter. So that really helped me like, because that's 2000 people that know, you know, I'm serious and I've done commissions for a lot of these people. So they know that I follow through. And, and so that, that really allowed me to kind of, put up a Kickstarter with not a huge amount of work that's already done because I'd also done other books. Like I did a 300 page graph. Now, so people know that I finish things. They know that I follow through and they know that it's, you know, quality work. And so that allowed me to, I launched my Kickstarter for the aggregate with like a really solid premise and obviously a really solid uh, format idea for the split decision comics. Um, But also I only had five pages done at the time and it raised 30,000, which I don't think, a lot of people ought to do but it's just a matter of how much because you're basically going to everything you do before the kickstarter you're going to have to do out of pocket like you're going to have to make that time to you know plug away at it and if that means that you're not going to be able to launch your kickstarter for two years because you have to only work a few hours a night on on pages so that you can just have something yeah. to present for the kickstarter then maybe there's like a need to make where you go you know like i can get show people you know this is what it will look like and 
as the Kickstarter's going, I'll make time to do more. Um, it fluctuates on what you should have prepared, but definitely have a solid story. Definitely, if you look at the Drawing Blood Kickstarter right now, drawingbloodcomic.com, you'll see, like, I did the, I did a lot of the imagery on the page there, and, like, you want to have a really good-looking page. Like, you can't just launch on Kickstarter and expect people to show up. You have to bring everyone the first couple days. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it will, then it will snowball into new, new eyeballs. <laughs> I, hope, I hope that answers it absolutely that's good stuff man and well real quickly where, where can our uh, listeners uh you know find all your work i'm uh i've seen a lot of your covers and stuff on facebook but you know what where's the the main hub where can everyone pick up the aggregate and check out drawing blood yeah so we'll start with drawing blood because that kickstarter by the time this podcast goes will probably be funded uh <laughs> i'm hoping <laughs> so right now again it's at thirty we're aiming for 75 to make the book if we get to 100 we're going to get troy little who did um fear and loathing in las vegas comic for idw to do the radically rearranged ronin ragdolls issue one so um, cool <laughs> Ke- yeah Kev- kevin's going to lay out that whole thing too so it's going to be this kind of back and forth with them which will be really sweet um so anyway that's at um drawingbloodcomic.com um and you should definitely get a book uh kickstarter's great because you can essentially pre-order the book before anyone else or with everyone else in this case. Um, but for my stuff, uh, I've got the aggregate book.com. I believe that's right. Yeah. The aggregate book.com where you can um, find out more about the aggregate itself, uh, specifically in split decision format. Um, and then my own site is just bishart.net, B I S H A R T.net. And there you can see, I haven't updated my gallery in a bit, but you can see most of the covers I've done. And if they're available for sale through my store, you'll see them there too. I, I have a good amount of my variants uh, still available right now. Um, not taking any commissions for the foreseeable future, um, which Kevin will be happy to hear. And uh, <laughs> But I am selling original pages from the aggregate, every page. So that's all up there. Ah, so cool, man. Well, Ben, it's an honor, man. Uh, I've only got one last question. It's a question we – probably the most important question of the show. What kind of pizza are we going to have to uh, close out another totally tubular episode of Turtle Flakes, my friend? What kind of pizza? Uh, well, I was just in San Diego uh, with Kevin, and I got invited to a pizza party, and we had <laughs> pickle pizza, and it was amazing. <laughs> so we should Pickle have... pizza, huh? Yeah, it was like thinly sliced pickles, little balls of mozzarella on a flatbread, so it was very fancy. Um, <laughs> and then I made some as soon as I got home. Uh, so pickle pizza, it's very good. Oh, you, you got it, man. Good choice. We never had that one on the show. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> well, all right, dudes and dudettes. Well, Ben, thank you so much for coming on, man. It's been it's been an honor. And uh, boy, we could talk to you for hours. I know we went over a couple minutes. I'm sorry about that, but. Uh, Oh, man. no, we'll do it again. I, 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 it was my fault. I rambled. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. That, I'm the king of the rambling. Uh, just ask okay. any of my co-hosts. That is what we'll for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, anytime you think of something a little bit specific you want to talk about or just talk about turtles, I'm into that. Sure, sure. Hey, well, well, maybe we can do something as soon as uh, Drawing Blood's funded or something like that. Maybe we can uh, yeah. come back on. That'd be awesome. We'd love to have you. Cool. I'll be there. All right, dudes and dudettes, well, uh, on behalf of the Turtle Flakes gang, here's to hoping you enjoy your pickle mozzarella flatbread pizza. Cowabunga, dudes. Cowabunga. Yeah.
Yo, Teddy, you still there, buddy? Yeah. Uh, well, so impressions, man. What would you think of the guy? What a nice guy. Oh yeah, man. Like I've I've talked to him a few times before on Facebook, and yeah, he's he's just a really just laid back, you know, nice guy. And you know, no I'm kidding. Uh, I, I mean, I I didn't recently until probably about yesterday. Uh, started checking out his website and some of his artwork, and man, he he has some like really amazing stuff on there. He does. Oh man, what an artist! My my son's here. He's my he's our third co-host for the day. Uh, yeah, we. we um, oh man, I, I just I see his artwork and it's so gorgeous looking. Like the aggregate, I just saw some pictures of it. It looks amazing. And of course, he drew drawing blood. I mean, and the the one shot that I always think of is the one where he's got the gun. He's firing at something. But you look at the city backdrop; it's so detailed. It kind of reminds me of. Jim Lawson, Kevin Eastman, and like his own style all mixed into one because right. of all the attention to detail. The guy is really good at what he does. Uh, yeah. And I've seen a lot of his covers that he's done. As a matter of fact, I'm on his website right now, Bishart. Uh, Bishart.net. So it's B-I-S-H-A-R-T.net. Mm-hmm. I look at some of these covers here. They're gorgeous. Like yeah. He's got a couple of the adventure covers. I think my favorite one he's done is the one of Old Hob with the gun and oh, uh, yeah. leather. I love that cover of Old Hob. I love that one. That looks awesome. Yeah. So, and he also did a Bebop and Rocksteady one, and I think he did... I know, Greg. <laughs> he did... There's one. It's I don't know if it's of City Fall or something, mm-hmm. where it's the four turtles in the middle. There's a TCRI building in the backdrop. You got Splinter on one side of the building and Shredder on the other side. Right. Really, really gorgeous, gorgeous cover. So... This guy's yeah. legit. He he knows what he's doing. Oh yeah, I, I did want to tell you that we did get some feedback this week uh, from our good friend Anthony Pig, and he was wondering. Um, actually, he had two questions that he wanted to ask you. Uh, the first being, uh, wanted to ask me? He, he wanted, yeah, he wanted to ask you. Um, the first hard. question for Rob is uh, if if you guys ever talk about the next mutation again. Is there any chance that I could actually come on the show and do a review of the Power Rangers in Space Next Mutation episode with y'all? Oh, hands down, yes. I would love that. And, of course, our buddy uh, Worksteady, he's a huge Power Rangers fan, and I, I like the Power Rangers quite a bit. And I think we just finished, or we're about to, we're about to finish the East Meets West story arc uh, for that series. So it's a good stopping point. Um, and then maybe the next Next Mutation episode, we can have him on. Absolutely. Right. And then his, uh, his second question is, uh, hey, hey, Rob, I, I don't know if you heard about this, but... Uh, the Archie Sonic the Hedgehog comics ended recently on a cliffhanger. Oh, I didn't know that. But IDW Publishing is picking up the rights to oh. Sonic the Hedgehog later this year. And he said, uh, is, is that actually something that you would like to see? Would you like to see a IDW Sonic the Hedgehog meets the Ninja Turtles? Uh, uh yeah. For me, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's... <laughs> That's one crossover that I have wanted for years, my friend. Um, I've never actually read the Sonic the Hedgehog Archie comics, but I do own the original um, 1994 Sonic the Hedgehog animated series, like like the dark and gritty one. And uh, yeah, the, like, okay. Uh, I, I First of all, I, IDW, if you're listening, can we please get a fight scene between Knuckles, the Echidna, and Raphael? 
That's all I'm asking. Please. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, yeah. But you yeah. imagine um, Baxter, Stockman, and uh, Eggman, or uh, Dr. Robotnik working together? Oh, dude, that would be like a dream come true. But yeah, Think uh, about that. And then the Mausers, and then the little uh, robot animals that they have. Uh, I forget what they're called in the Sonic series. So cool. Yeah, the, uh, well, that's that's the one thing about IDW is that, dude, they love doing crossovers. I mean, yeah, like like I, I didn't even know that they were gonna do a, uh, a Ghostbusters sequel like this this November, like right after Halloween, which is perfect, you know. But, yeah, uh, right. Yeah, Anthony, dude, anytime. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely schedule that. Uh, yeah, because th- that that is something that that I would like to review also because I've only seen um, bits and pieces of the Power Rangers. Ninja Turtles when I was like really young, so I didn't get to finish it. But what I did see on it was actually pretty good. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely get you on the show for that. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. We're the the more the merrier. Absolutely. And uh, the one last thing I'll say since it's on the top of my uh, on the top of my head here is um, Anthony Hernandez, another friend of the show. <laughs> I just want to say thank you to him because he was kind enough to actually plug our show in his latest YouTube. Um, episode of Totally Tubular Turtle Tuesdays. I believe that's what the show's called. And it's just a show where he reviews modern and classic turtles every Tuesday on YouTube. Um, for those of you who might not be familiar with his channel, if you just search up Bat Bomb, that's B A T B O M B, and I think it's Space 81, you'll see his whole channel there. Or maybe if you just search up Totally Tubular Turtle Tuesday, you might be able to find it that way. Uh, but he does very detailed reviews, and on his latest one about Metalhead, he gave us a big shout-out at the very beginning, and I just wanted to thank him for that. Um, he's an amazing artist as well. I uh, really like a lot of his fan art for the Turtles. And just wanted to say thanks and Calabunga, man. Uh, we, we owe you one. And um, we'll provide a link to his show in our show notes. I'll try to find a link to the latest one about Metalhead. So Calabunga, man. Just real quick, I just wanted to say, uh, you know, we, we appreciate all the positive feedback that we've had yes. from our listeners, uh, everybody that's been active in the group, you know, big shout out to Kevin Eastman that was on the show last week, uh, really, you know, Ben Bishop, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we are, that is one thing that we are going to try to do is, uh, hopefully get, get more guests, um, uh, like, like I said, I, uh, I know that Andy Kuhn is going to be at, um, Pensacon next year, so hopefully we can get him on the show. That'd be really cool. Absolutely. Uh, definitely, uh, uh, Rob. Uh, real, real quick before we close, can you uh, can you tell our listeners the best way to uh, reach us? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm going to go off the cuff here because I don't have my show notes in front of me, but surely by now I can actually remember this stuff. Don't go to TurtleFlakes.com. Uh, <laughs> I hate saying that, but uh, we've not updated in quite some time because it's it's kind of a long process to upload these episodes. But um, our main hub for all of our podcast episodes. Uh, of course, you can always search us up on iTunes. Thank you so much. We got a couple of reviews um, in the last couple weeks that really, really does help out the show. I'm still doing the uh, Metalhead giveaway, and I'm also putting um, IDW issue 11, the Northampton issue. I got a, an extra one of those. I'm putting that in the gift box, too, and some other turtle goodies. By the end of this month, by the end of August, um, whoever writes us a review on iTunes, they're automatically like randomly um, thrown into this... Um, little random drawing and I'll draw a name on one of the episodes at the end of the month and I'll send it out to you just got to give me your address and I'll do it all for free so really really do appreciate the reviews 
always send us an email. Our email address is turtleflakespodcast at gmail.com. We did receive a voicemail, which we'll play on the next show. Um, actually, a couple of them. Really, really appreciate the phone calls, guys, and um, we'll get we'll definitely get to you uh, as soon as possible because great questions uh, on those shows or on those emails. And uh, speaking of the hotline, our TurtleCom hotline is 865-309-4875. And don't be afraid. No one's going to pick up the phone and be like, hello? Oh, Bern, Bern Thompson isn't, isn't going to answer the phone. We, we <laughs> No, no. Go, 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 so, go, go. Uh, yeah, go, 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 go. Make it quick. Go, 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 go. <laughs> no, he's not going to do that. No one's going to answer. It's just a standard voicemail that um, that any listener can uh, leave a message on, and we really encourage that. I always like hearing our listeners' voices on the show, just to you know, kind of see where they're from. And sometimes you can even detect an accent. You kind of have to guess where they're from. Yeah. And it's funny. Uh, Mike Webb, he called a few a few weeks ago. He definitely had a northern accent that I recognized. So, right. yeah, me, me being a Yankee myself. Yeah, like, uh, like kind of like how, how Rob said, like, like don't be afraid to call. You know, we're always taking suggestions. You know, um, yep. I, I know that I know that one one of the members in the group kind of wanted us to uh, go back. I, I forgot who it was. Um, kind of wanted us to go back and maybe cover the. Uh, the 2012 series comic book, the uh, the animated adventures, because I, I don't. Oh think yeah, we covered that yet, have we? I know we've done like right now we're working on for the adventures type shows that are going to be like every fifth fifth episode. We're we're doing uh, a classic Archie comic mm-hmm. and one of the current like adventure comics. And right now the current adventure comics are the robot animal comics. Yeah, As a matter of fact. Issue 2 just came out about two weeks ago. Mm. But I think that's a great idea, too. Um, there's just... The thing is, man, there's so much stuff out there. Like, I've, I want so desperately to cover, cover it all because there's so much out there. Yeah. We're going to work on that for sure because there's so much good stuff that really needs to be talked about. Really, really great stuff. And, you know, one thing that Ben Bishop said that really stood out to me, it's something I always wonder about, is... See, I'm a writer. I'm not a good one or anything, but I like to write. And, you know, writing a comic book is, is a very arduous thing. It's very tough. Yeah. But drawing a comic book, it, it's just as hard, if not harder. But just drawing a book, you think of how many hours go into just one page with maybe five or six panels in it. Oh, I mean, yeah. we're talking hours upon hours upon hours. And sometimes, as comic book readers and fans, we just read the comic for the story and we really look at the artwork real quickly and go, okay, okay. Right. See, I, I highly encourage you guys to read the comic book and go back and look at the artwork again and again and again. Because sometimes, it's just like a video game, especially an open world video game. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're only scratching the surface of what the video game really is. You know, if we just follow the story, we miss all these little side quests. You know, same thing with comic books. If you're just following the story, and then it's like, okay, okay, I'm done with this one. I read this in five minutes. I'm done with that. On to the next issue. Go back. Look at the artwork. Yeah. Try to pick out. Try to pick out the little things in the background because, to me, that's that's what's the beauty of comic books. You know, uh, is, is the artwork working simultaneously with the story. You know, almost like they work hand in hand. To me, a good comic will do that. And sometimes artwork's so strong. That you don't even need words. Yeah. But anyways, I uh, didn't mean to ramble there. I'm just saying uh, that. That, uh, good, That's, that was actually a really good topic to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, he brought it up, and I thought that was an interesting point. Um, 
But anyway, last but not least, um, if you want to check us out on Twitter, our Twitter, I think it's at TurtleFlakes. And the last thing I want to say before we we close this thing out is uh, I want to give a huge shout-out to my friend Zach. Uh, He has a show that we uh, really, really like, Booyaka Show. It's a show dedicated to the Nickelodeon series. And he had a little hiatus for a while, and he just came back with an episode. So if you search up, I'm going to try to type it up right, right now, Booyaka Show. So it's B-O-O-Y-A-K-A-S-H-O-W. It looks like episode 8 just came out on date here, August 1st. So it just came out a couple days ago. Oh, no, I take that back. It looks like... Episode 8, where he said he was back, was July 27th, and he just released another episode, Episode 9, on August 1st, so about four days ago. So, huge, huge shout-out to that guy. He has a great show, great voice for a podcast. As a matter of fact, um, I just recently saw a video that he did of an interview with Kevin Eastman, where he went into his studio and, and spoke with Kevin Eastman in person. It was very professionally done. Really, really enjoyed that that video. I saw it this morning. Um, so listeners, here's, here's my philosophy on Turtle stuff, uh, Turtle Podcast. You know, I, I like what he said on one of his shows. It's not a competition. You know, no one, no one to my knowledge is making money doing this. I, I think we should help each other out. You know, we're all fans, you know, so big, uh, shout out to him and his show and just go check it out. Check out all the the new Turtle Podcasts out there. I'll, I'll throw, uh... Turtle Power in there, Turtle Soup in there, um, Turtle Power Pod. I've, I've listened to all these shows, and they all have some great, great professional sounds to them, and um, the good stuff out there. So I, I encourage you to listen as much Ninja Turtle stuff as you can, because if you're a fan, it's not going to matter who who's talking about it. It's the Turtles, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, nothing can take away the integrity of the Turtles. Yeah. But, um, but Thaddeus, man, thank you so much for coming on, and... Um, and as always, my friends, cowabunga dudes. Cowabunga, thanks. Thanks. <laughs>